0: Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved
1: family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. I say the same things every morning. Don't I sound like a broken record? But you see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, you are a beloved family, and I do pray that you're well. And I do pray that your heart is not uh, conditioned Um, how do I say this, by circumstances. Um, We may grieve at a number of things going on today, but the fact is, uh, I've said this before, I've said it to the sisters here, I feel as the most privileged person in the entire universe because I believe, because I've received the gift of faith and I did nothing to earn it. I did everything for God to uh, bring me to hell, in fact. In fact, that's the case with all of us. It may be more or less with all of us, but it's the case with all of us. There is nobody without sin. There is nobody who doesn't, deserves uh, hell. Nobody. There is no one who hasn't sinned. And it would take one, not a lifestyle of sin, not murder, not a major sin, one teeny, teeny little lie even the sin of omission of things we should have done to separate us from a holy God. Why? Because God is mean? No. Because he's absolutely holy. And the scriptures say that he cannot come into the presence of sin. He is God. I think we are deficient in having a good sense of God. I think we are. It may be that those who are in a kingdom... Those who are in a uh, monarchy, those who have a ruler over them, uh, hopefully a benevolent ruler, uh, might understand um, who God is, maybe a little more than us here in America, who have the disease of individualism. We do what we want, where we want, how we want, when we want, Uh, we care little about how it affects others, Um, and... So we almost live as if God doesn't exist, even when we're Catholic, even when we're Catholic. Um, we can uh, regress and live as if God doesn't exist in the way we speak to our spouse, in the way we speak to our children, in the way we speak to our parents. If God were physically standing among us, as he did when he walked on earth, um Uh, We may not speak to one another as we do. We may not omit the things we do or say the things we do or neglect to say the things we neglect, all of that. Um, Not to criticize you or me, um, just to say that God is perfect. And the more we get to know him, um, which he has uh, set it up, so to speak, for us to do, for us to truly know who he is, to enter a relationship with the God of the universe. The more we understand that, the more we understand who God is, um, the more we get to know him. And the more we get to know God, the more we get to know ourselves. And that's what all the scripture is about, to know God and to know man. That's it. And again, we cannot truly know ourselves until we really begin to know who God is, to know his attributes, to know his justice, his holiness, his wisdom, his mercy, his um, patience, his kindness, and the scriptures say it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. And so watch in your families, just watch. When your spouse deserves um, the book thrown at him or her, when your children deserve a good spanking, Um, uh, when your parents uh, neglect raising you, all of that, and you have every right to be angry, you have every right to rebel, Um, but if you exchange kindness for wrongdoing, for meanness, for neglect, and you exchange kindness, watch how it melts other people. Watch how it melts them. Because the only reason we're angry or unhappy is because of a lack of kindness and a lack of love. It may be our lack of love to others because we haven't received love, but God is perfect. And the more we get to know Him, the more we can become like Him, and the freer we are to be just who He's made us. And one of those ways, beloved, we've been talking about is the rosary that our mother, Mary, the Jewish mother of the Jewish Messiah, gave to us. She gave us a string of roses, a rosary uh, to pray every day. She asked at Fatima to pray the rosary every day, and she is the queen of the rosary, and we read uh, yesterday, or we're going to read today from G.K. Chesterton on the coronation of Our Lady, which is the fifth glorious mystery. Um, and she is our mother. She is our queen. She brought the Messiah into the world. And she was assumed into heaven to be back with her son. Um, and she, he came through her to us thousand years ago and you know what beloved our lord has never stopped coming to us through the blessed virgin he has never stopped coming to us through her there are so many reports of apparitions increasing uh all over the world but we don't even have to look at them well we i think it's good to know about them but we don't have to look at them we can simply stay with those apparitions that have been approved by the Church. Fatima, Lourdes, Akita, Our Lady of Good Success, um, Rwanda, um, I'm not thinking right now, so many, and, and one in the United States, Our Lady of Hope in um, uh, North Carolina. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so go to her, beloved go to her. She doesn't keep us from Christ. She brings us to her son. She has a one-track mind. It's the only thing she cares about is bringing us closer to her son. Whenever she appears, her messages are scriptural, and they are always the same. Maybe said in different words, they're always the same. Go to the Eucharist. Pray, repent, confess your sins, come back home. the church and she will help you she will help you beloved well i'm going to try now to read and this is from uh, only the last mystery of the holy rosary why is it holy you say well only god is holy um god is the only um god but he's not the only one or thing that is holy He is without sin. He is God. But to be holy does not mean to be perfect, even though God is perfect. To be holy means to be set apart. It means to be a saint. And we become saints at our baptism. We do, beloved. We become saints at our baptism. My Protestant pastor used to say there's two people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. And you're either a saint or you're an ain't. Uh, A saint is, if, if you look at Scripture, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans, to the Philippians, to others, um, as saints, uh, called of God. And if you look in the, um, in the, let's say, study margin, the margins of a study Bible, it will tell you that saints are holy ones. And holy ones are simply those consecrated, set apart from the world to God, which every one of us who has been baptized is. We are holy, not because we are perfect and without sin, but because we are set apart to God. And the whole of our Christian life is really becoming what we are, becoming less of us, more of God, increasing in holiness, in the knowledge and nurture, in the knowledge, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is to become more holy, uh, day by day. And Bishop Sheen, who is uh, up for canonization, as as most of you know, wrote this book that I've been reading from, the Fifteen Mysteries of the Rosary. Um, he wrote it in nineteen forty four, and I have found it magnificent. These are short, really short meditations. Um, And um, I've read other books on the rosary, but Bishop Sheen is hes totally unique. He's absolutely unique, and he says things with such depth and such beauty. And the reason for that is that when he was a young man and was uh, uh, candidating studying for the priesthood, he, uh, I don't know if that he vowed, I won't say that, he determined at least, Um, that he would spend one hour every day before the Blessed Sacrament. And he began to do that, and he never missed his entire life into being a bishop. He never, ever missed one hour before the Blessed Sacrament. And it is from that that these meditations come. And it is from that that his book on the life of Christ, which took him ten years to write, uh, came. I, I recommend that to everybody. So now I'm going to read the last mystery, and after I said all that, it turns out that Bishop Sheen did not write uh, the meditation for this last mystery, but he took it from G.K. T- Chesterton, and it's from G.K. Chesterton, Regina Angelora, which is Queen of the Angels, and of course the coronation is when our Lord um made his mother queen of heaven and earth. Both the Father and the Son crowned her as queen of heaven and earth. She is your queen, beloved. You may not believe that, but that doesn't matter. The sun shines whether you believe there's a sun or not. She is the queen of angels, the queen of heaven and earth. Now this is, um, I haven't personally read through this uh, coronation uh, reflection by G.K. Chesterton, so I'm going to read through it with you right now. And I have a feeling, because of the author of it, uh, Chesterton, it's going to be wonderful. And he writes this, Our Lady went into a strange country. Our Lady, for she was ours, and had run on the little hills behind the houses and pulled small flowers, But she rose up and went into a strange country with strange thrones and powers. And there were giants in the land she walked in, tall as their toppling towns, with heads so high in heaven. Now this is the coronation. She's already assumed into heaven. With heads so high in heaven, the constellations served them for crowns. And their feet might have forded like a break the abyss where Babel drowns. Remember Babel, the Tower of Babel, where mankind turned from God with uh, an awful uh, display of pride. And Chesterton continues, And moving in innocence and in accident, she turned the face that none has ever looked on, without loving on the Lord, the Lords of Space. And one hailed her with her name in our own country that is full of grace. Our Lady went into a strange country and they crowned her for a queen for she needed never to be stayed or questioned but only seen. And they were broken down under unbearable Beauty as we have seen. But ever she walked till away in the last high places one great light shone from the pillared throne of the king of all that country who sat thereon. And she cried aloud as she cried under the gibbet, for she saw her son. Our Lady wears a crown in a strange country, the crown he gave. But she has not forgotten to call to her old companions to call and crave and to hear her calling a man might arise and thunder on the doors of the grave. Now, we'd have to take a little more time to dissect that and talk about its depth and its meaning and its beauty, but I'm going to say this to you. Those who don't pray the rosary daily, begin to pray it. Those who do not pray the rosary daily, I urge you, I want to urge you um, to begin to pray it. If you don't know how, you can look up Martin Luther on the Internet. Type in Martin Luther and um, and the rosary. He prayed the rosary. He had no problem with the rosary. He had a problem with the Hail Mary because he had left the priesthood, he had left the church, married a nun, went astray, all of that. And um, um, he didn't want to really honor Our Lady, but he did, and he prayed the rosary. He, wasn't a, he acknowledged Mary as the mother of the Messiah um, and the Queen of Heaven. He did. So did um, John Calvin, I read all of John Calvin's Institutes, and I read his commentary on the Synoptic Gospels, which are the three Gospels apart from the Gospel of John. And someone once asked him if uh, he believed in Mary's perpetual virginity, that she always remained a virgin, even after the birth of her son. And he was so offended by that what he thought was degraded question that he wouldn't even answer. He wouldn't even discuss it. Of course he believed in her perpetual virginity and he prayed at the Rosary and so did Zwingli and so did many, many others. Um, and so I say, if you're Protestant, you if you're a Protestant, as I was an evangelical for many years, um, you um, may have been taught that Catholics worship Mary. And I tell you what, if you read old, old Catholic books, uh, you'll probably hear that, that we worship Mary, because worship wasn't a bad thing to do. Today, it's used in place of adoration. We don't adore Mary. We adore only God. But back when, um, years ago, um the word was used in its true meaning that we give somebody their worth the worth they are due just as the scriptures tell us to give elders the worth they are due we don't worship them but we give them the worth the honor that they are due we treat them that way we we speak to them that way and so that is the worship that catholics that everybody uh, owes mary again it's not worship um she's not god she's us But she is born without sin. And so we don't worship Mary in the way the word is used today. But we do hold her in the highest honor, in the highest esteem. Um, We do that because she is worthy of that, because she's the mother of the Messiah. I tell you, on the most mundane um, level, if a man is dating a woman, or even reverse it, a woman yeah is is being courted by a man she's there dating this young couple is dating and and let's say they haven't spoken about marriage they're not engaged but they're indeed in love and the man invites her to to dinner with his family well if she really feels she cares for him very much and this is the man she wants to marry and he invites her to meet his parents and have dinner with the family. Oh my goodness, she's probably so nervous she can't stand it. And she would treat his parents uh, as if they are just the most special people in the world because they are. They're the parents of of this young man that she uh, is growing to love. And so she treats them with great, great respect and great honor. And at the end of dinner, um, the mother gets up from the table and, and the young lady says, oh, let me help you. And she gets up to clean and all of that. She wants to um, impress her boyfriend's mom that she's, she'll make a good wife for him um, and all of that. Um, well, I tell you, beloved, God has given us a mother. He has given us a mother to love and respect a mother that gave us the Son uh, incarnate and a mother that will do nothing but lead us to him. So if you're Protestant and you've been taught that Catholics worship Mary uh, in, in the sense we meet it today, when Catholics hear that, we're astounded. Why would we worship Mary? Why would we worship a person we worship only God. Why would we do I've had people ask me since I've converted to the church, so you worship Mary now. I said, why would I worship Mary? Why would I worship a human being? I worship God. Of course I don't. Well, the Catholics do. I said, no, they don't. If they worshiped a human being, I wouldn't be Catholic. Of course not. And so we are stuck with misconceptions. But I would encourage two things. If you're Protestant of any uh, denomination, of any form but especially a really strong evangelical Protestant. I would suggest two things that they're probably going to be abhorrent to you. You're not going to want to do them, but I'm going to say them anyway, and I'm going to dare you to take up my challenge. Um, get a book called The Spirit of Catholicism. The Spirit of Catholicism. It's by Carl Adam, and it was... I. I don't know when it was written. It's been republished. It was out of print. It's been republished. And it really speaks of a 13th century Catholicism pre-Reformation. Um, I dare you. I challenge you. I I urge you. I beg you. I beg you to read that book. I read 200 books coming into the church. I read my way into the church. And um, that was my number one. It's I found it. Fantastic um, and you 'll see a people who lived their faith they didn 't uh, read they didn 't read the bible they couldn 't have told you where, what a verse was because thirteenth century there was no um, printing press there were no bibles, no one had their own bibles it It took a year uh, for anyone to even uh, copy the Um, what I'm looking for um, the script of the Bible copy the manuscript I should say it took a year a a whole year's salary included to to even try to copy it for yourself you couldn't do it and most people 13th century 14th and 15th century before the printing press most people couldn't even read they were illiterate How did they learn the faith for the first 1,500 years? How did they learn the faith? They learned it because it was taught to them by priests, by bishops, uh, and it was displayed in church windows, all the old magnificent churches with the story of salvation in their windows. Uh, That's how people learned, by looking at magnificent church windows, Uh, not just pretty designs, but true depictions of salvation history. It was beautiful. So I I would want to encourage you to read that book and see what people did before they could not get a Bible or even necessarily have it read to them. And yet the faith was passed down through those 1,500 years by the God who said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. All right. And then when we finally got the printing press and Martin Luther uh, threw out some of the books that had been put in the Bible... uh, um, he did it on his own. He finally got to read and have a copy of the Bible and decided single-handedly to take out seven-plus books that were already in there, that our Lord had in the Septuagint when he walked on earth. It's an astounding audacity that that mankind has, just an astounding, um, unbelievable, um, astounding is the word to me, pride, that they know better than God and the church of 1500 years to do that. It's just amazing. So, The Spirit of Catholicism by Carl Adam. And then I'm going to say this pick up a rosary. If you're not Catholic and you don't have a rosary, write to us. Go on to www.motherofisrael'shope, write to the Station of the Cross, write to Life News, and say, Can you send me a rosary? Mother Miriam told me that if I wrote to you or emailed or called, you would send me a rosary. Mother Miriam said that. And they're going to say to you, well, we never said that. And you're going to say to them, I know you never said it. Mother Miriam told us you didn't say it, but she said it. So you need to send me a rosary. And if you don't have one to send me, then call Mother Miriam, and she'll send it to me. I promise that. you, beloved. Don't be afraid. The rosary is straight from the Bible. It's complete, complete scripture. Don't be afraid to come to our God. It is Mary's lessons to us. She homeschooled her children through giving her, giving them the mysteries of the rosary, which is our Lord's life from his birth um, right through um, his ascension back to heaven and the descent of the Holy Spirit and the coronation of his mother. There's our music for our break, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart toll-free, or email at mother at crosscom We'll be right back.
2: What does it mean to be a true follower of Christ? How can we grow closer to our Lord through what we hear? By listening to podcasts of our network-produced shows, you'll have the opportunity to learn more about our incredible church and God's call for you in this world. Download shows from our website or stream right from our app. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you.
1: The King.
3: This is Father Yatsuk Mazer. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Francis of Assisi. Father in heaven, your love for us never falters in spite of our transgressions and failures. Please show your mercy for me in my difficulty. Through the intercession of St. Francis and for the sake of Christ our Savior, have pity on me. Increase my awareness of your presence and through the intercession of St. Francis take care of my pressing need. Amen.
1: Um, coming to you on the station of the cross and Lifesite News radio and live streamed and Facebook and ugh, technology today is just too wonderful and I can't keep up with it. But it's um, it's wonderful to be with you and we have a whole half hour all to ourselves for you to call in with anything on your heart. Again, it does not need to be what we're speaking about. Um, there's no topic of the day when it's time for you to call or write or email or text. And the toll-free number to call or to text is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. Uh, we have an email from Joanne who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, please be aware that some states like mine in Massachusetts are advertising free homeschooling, and will deceive many to think it is okay. But it is state controlled. I tell you, beloved, this is frightening. This is absolutely. This is communism on the on the uh, on the rise. <clears throat> and Joanne writes: Let let families know to beware of this. Pray for my adult daughter, Sarah, as she is far from Jesus. God bless you. We will pray for Sarah, Joanne. Um, but isn't this amazing? If we are telling parents to get their children out of, certainly out of public schools with the debauchery, immorality being taught in in sex ed and uh, gender ideology and and uh, options to opt out no longer options it's evil and we're finding it flooding into the catholic schools as well sex ed does not belong in a public school and it does not belong in a catholic school no um the understanding of the body i used to learn about the body in science class what's wrong with that but it has nothing to do with with sex ed um And so um, it's evil. And so we're telling people uh, to get their children out, no matter what they have to do. And even if it's an immoral Catholic school, take your children out. Um, I'm not telling you not to send your children to public or Catholic school. I'm saying that you need to know what's going on. And if you turn your children over to evil... You are responsible before God. You will never be able to blame the schools. You will never be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. Well, you can do that, but you have failed in your vocation. He has given you children, his children, to raise for heaven. And if you turn them over to an evil society, then you have not only forfeited your vocation, but destroyed God's children. Um, who are from your own flesh and blood. But now the government is apparently from Joanne, this is Joanne, the first I've heard of it, is becoming wise um, uh, like serpents uh, and uh, advertising free homeschooling. And... It'll simply, so you can homeschool your children, but with their material. It's diabolical, beloved. Don't you dare do that. If you homeschool your children, you make sure it's a good, solid, holy, substantial Catholic homeschooling program. And I'm in the midst, uh, and a dear friend of mine is in the midst of doing some research on good homeschooling uh, programs, Catholic programs, um, and uh, we're going to narrow it down to what we think might be the one one or two top ones from our looking through the materials. And as soon as I have that, I'm going to give it to you over the air um, so that you can purchase it and you can know, um, you can see what it is, you could know what it is. I'm also asking... Um, my dear friend, she's contacting others, and um, for alternatives. For uh, let's say you're a single parent, you must earn a living, and you cannot homeschool your children. You cannot work that out. Um, you can't work from home. You can't work part time. Whatever the circumstance is, uh, but you want to save your children, and so we're looking for alternatives. Little groups, homeschool groups of Catholic moms who will, there are moms that stay home full-time, and I know it now, and they do take in the children of other mothers who cannot stay home, <clears throat> and and they homeschool their children. And the children, when the mother comes home from work, the children come and show her everything they've done, and the mother and the father jump in and be part of that. But during the day, they're with a Catholic homeschooling mom who may have a little group in her living room of 20 children. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing being taught by Catholics the Catholic faith, the faith that God gave, not the um, evil that society has uh, brought to corrupt our children and to destroy the family. That's the bottom line, to destroy the family. Joanne, thank you for that email. we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, My daughter is away from the church. She says she goes to Mass every third or fourth Sunday. She is very busy studying for tests. Every Sunday I send her a screenshot of the local Mass schedule in her city. Should I just stop doing this and give her to God and continue to pray, pray, pray? I think you should stop sending her screenshots. If she's old enough to be um, uh, away from home, which apparently she's away from home if you're sending her a screenshot of the local mass schedule in whatever city she's in. If she's old enough for that, she's old enough to check that out herself. I would not do that. Don't keep her a baby. Um, What you should do with your daughter is let her know that if she considers herself Catholic... To be away from the church and go every third or fourth Sunday, even every other Sunday, without going to confession, you tell her is a mortal sin. If she goes to church and she has not gotten to confession because missing church on Sunday without a grave reason is a mortal sin, and she must know that and you must tell her that. She's not a good Catholic if she goes once in a while, absolutely not. Um, If she does not go on Sunday, Mom, you need to tell her it's mortal sin, and she must not receive the Eucharist if she has not gone first to confession. She can go to church, but she may not receive the Eucharist, or she will be committing mortal sin on top of mortal sin. Tell her that very, very clearly. Show it to her in the Catechism. Send her a good book to read, and do continue to pray. But don't only pray. Tell her these things very clearly and strongly, that she can pass her test and be an honor student and wind up in hell. And that's a choice that she will make if she does not return to the church and to Mass. Okay, there's the music for our break, beloved. Um, call in with anything on your heart, one 877 we will be right back.
3: If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download on your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity.
0: hi welcome
1: back to mother miriam live it's good to be with you for this last oh a little more than 15 minutes we have still time for you to call in if you if you are troubled by something i've said or you have a question uh and it's gnawing at you don't hesitate to call in beloved we have a number of emails but we always take your calls first because we know that you're waiting on the line and um, we don't know what your circumstance is uh, while you're waiting, so we always take calls first. And we do take emails and texts in the order that they come in. We have an email from Emily who writes, did I give out the number? Let me do that one more time. Uh, toll free to call or text one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Uh, Emily writes, hello, Mother. <clears throat> God bless you. I appreciate you and your show so much. Thank you, Emily. My husband and I married 13 years ago while we had both fallen away from the church. We recently convalidated our marriage and are now back home in full communion with the church. Emily, I love those stories. I just love, love, love hearing that. It's just So fantastic. I want to say, I'm not done with Emily's email, but I want to say to everyone out there, no matter how long you've been away from the church, whether you've murdered 10 people, no matter what you have done, um, God waits for you to come home. Always, always, always. And he will speak to you in the confessional through that priest. At At that point, when the priest absolves your sins, it is God absolving your sins through the priest. The priest, at that point, almost doesn't exist. Uh, the priest that helped me into the church says said that the priest does his most important work when he's not himself. And that is both at the Mass and in the confessional. When he says, I absolve you, it is Christ saying that to you through the priest. It is God who forgives sins, and he gave the power to his priest to forgive our sins through their instrumentality, but it is God who forgives us through them. So I'm, I just love to, when I hear people come back to the church. It's just so beautiful. You're on your way to heaven. You couldn't make a better choice in your entire life. And she continues, Emily continues, I was 39 and he was 47 when we married. Since my husband did not have children, I told him that while I would not use fertility treatments, we would see what happens. Well, God has blessed us with two children conceived naturally, so it can happen, and I feel very blessed. And indeed, you are very blessed, Emily. Emily says, I'm really writing regarding the pressure I receive to have my daughter, now nine, nine years, to serve at the altar. I receive almost a scorn or chastisement when I say no. We do attend the only Catholic church in town, and it is a novus ordo mass. Still, I don't want her to serve in that capacity. What are your thoughts, and how should I respond? Thank you. God bless. Well, you're absolutely right. Your children should not serve. Your daughter should absolutely not serve uh, uh, as an altar server in the, uh, uh, in the Novus Ordo Mass, at any Mass. She should not serve. Um, and I don't know who you're saying no to. If it's the head of whoever's responsible for gathering extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, I don't know if it's the priest, I don't know friends, I don't know who it is, it doesn't matter. Say no And we do not believe that God intends females to serve at the altar. He does not want to train them to be priests. That is a place only for young men. And if they say, you're ridiculous, the church has changed, say, well, we haven't. We haven't, and that's our answer. And I'm going to ask you out of respect to not continue to ask us. That's all. That's all. And take it that God has chosen you to stand firm, not in anger, not in resentment, but in kindness and in love to teach the faith. God has, if you stand out, if your little girl wears a veil or you wear a veil or she doesn't serve at the altar and your little young man wears a suit to church, what, you're going to be out of place, but you're going to be right. And uh, other people are going to hound you for it because it, it, it makes them feel that either you're archaic Or maybe they should be doing something more than they're doing. Uh, Always answer in kindness and see it as God's opportunity for you. Don't be haughty. No one's better than someone. That's not the point. But you are living a holier life. You are living in obedience to God. And it would be a good way for you to teach others in kindness. And just simply say to them, I would be grateful if you would respect our decision and not continue to ask us. God bless you. That's it. All right. And you can tell them that if they want to look at old, old uh, books in the church, they will not find anything for altar girls. Zero. There was never any such thing. Does the church allow it? The church allows it. Is it therefore sin? If the church allows it, it's not sin. But that doesn't mean we have to do it. It's not obedience to do that. Uh, We have a call from Celia in Buffalo. Hi, Celia. Hi, Mother Mary. Hi, sweetheart. I'm happy you called in. Do you have a question on your
4: heart? Yes. um, We uh, lost our 32-year-old daughter to cancer um, in August. Oh, I'm so
1: sorry, Cecilia. How awful. Yeah. Go go ahead, sweetie.
4: It it, it truly... um, at her funeral, I leaned over to my husband. I said, we will never do a harder thing in our lives.
1: Than bury her. But, That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, you know, we're, 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 we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's so much um, pain wells up in our heart daily. Uh-huh. And I know that there is such a value to that pain and I don't want to waste it and I want to know the best way to offer that good up. for
1: you God bless you Cecilia it's, you know
4: we, we we I just hear that phrase offer it up offer it up and it almost becomes trite but mm-hmm. I I know that there's such value to it and I want it I want it to be efficacious for, you. for her and for we who are left behind
1: excellent excellent Um, God bless you for that, Celia. Uh, are you a Catholic family? We are. Uh, was your daughter practicing her Catholic faith when she died? She was. She was was quite sick, um, but I'm just saying before she got so ill, was she living a Catholic life?
4: Yes, she was, um, you know, the, the culture had an impact on her. Yes. Um. But, uh, you know, she was, uh, very receptive. Um, we had re- got a new priest recently who, um, was just a very, very devout man. And so we invited him to the house and for supper. And, you know, she was able to spend time with him and receive the sacraments and, um, uh-huh. uh, you know as and far as getting all of her ducks in a row i i, I feel I, I like to feel she did that but you know god is only the judge of that
1: and when did the priest give her the sacraments
4: um she received the anointing maybe 5 days before she passed
1: all right so and the priest was, came she made a confession
4: she made a confession probably not the, at that time no Mm -hmm. But um, probably within, oh, I don't know, maybe a month and a half of that. Mm -hmm. And she was very sick.
1: Yes, uh, okay, I'm with you there. Um, All right, so you have... A very wonderful road to pray for here. When we, uh, you probably know this, Celia. I'm asking these questions so I can help guide you more. Um, When I learned what Offered Up meant, I could not believe the gift God gave us to take our sufferings, our woundedness, everything, and add it to Christ's sufferings on the cross. As it's not that his sacrifice, as you know, was not sufficient. It was sufficient. But its he's invited us to join our sufferings to him, as the Apostle Paul says, that he makes up that which was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. He wrote to the Colossians, well, nothing was lacking for our salvation in the sufferings of Christ, and yet we suffer with Christ, and God, that is valid. It is valid. So, You and your husband, your pain has to be 24 7. And I would uh, almost accept um, that that's not a pain you're going to be free of because God gave it to you. And I believe, Celia, that God has given you the depth of pain you have and allowed her to die from this terrible disease for her salvation. For her salvation. God has given you an enormous gift for her salvation. From everything you've said, um, I don't know where she is, but God has given us the gift. She could be straight in heaven, but God has given us the gift of purgatory to be cleansed from the remains of self-love, which is the root of all sin. And so anyone is in purgatory is already saved. You know that. They're already on their way to heaven. They're already forgiven, but God has given us the opportunity to be fully cleansed from uh, the temporal effects of our sins, the eternal effects Jesus paid on the cross. We can't add to that, but we can uh, make reparation for the temporal effects, for all that our sin has caused on earth. And so your daughter could be straight in heaven, in which case she doesn't need your prayers, and um, Our Lady will uh, uh, give them to whoever needs them, or she's in purgatory. Uh, I'm going to assume that that's, I think that's a, a good way to think, that she's, from all you've told me, that she's at least in purgatory. And it's a passive state. She can do nothing in purgatory. And so you can hear. So your suffering for her, for love of her, uh, is is the greatest pain. Love is the greatest pain a person can suffer. And so um, uh, you can say, Lord, I, I'm crushed by this grief. I want to give it to you. I want to, you to take it. And I, I'm asking you to receive it from me, add it to your cross, for Celia's salvation and for the salvation of of relatives or friends or, or others who will never know the gospel. And God accepts that, and he makes it efficacious. And so what I find with my own sufferings, when I give them to God, the suffering is, the pain is still there, but it is no longer controlling. It's no longer um uh devastating it's still there but it no longer controls me whereas if I don't give it to God I am consumed by it but when we give it to God we know he's using it for our salvation and for the salvation of those and the healing of those we've asked him to use it for or whatever he wishes and then we still have the scars but we don't have the uh hopeless pain that is on us when we don't put it to work Does that make sense?
4: Yes. Yes, it does.
1: Okay. So Um, it may be really that your daughter's uh, illness and death and your strong faith is a gift from God, the whole package, if I can say, uh, to bring her to heaven.
4: Yeah. Yeah. She suffered greatly um, physically. Yes. Her last three weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, and she even said, "This is perhaps part of my purgatory."
1: Well, now that's a good and thing she
4: because she had
1: the right perspective.
4: She, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And, and she, so mm-hmm. she um, never, you know, she never said, "Why me?" Or good. never a word of feeling sorry for herself. Or, good. Um, anger at God, then never any of
1: that. Well, that's um, wonderful. And if she thought it was perhaps part of her purgatory, then she's got the right without a, without a bad attitude. Then she then you've got great hope, and you've got great hope that she's in God's arms, whether she's in purgatory or heaven, she's in the arms of God. It's a wonderful thing. Don't cease. I know you're not going to cease to pray for her. And so when you say to your husband, sweetheart. We said that it would be the greatest pain, what we're doing now, burying our daughter. But in fact, we put her in the ground that would take her soul to heaven. You see? So um, yeah, that's, a you. You you. that's a great thing you did. That's a great thing you did. You said goodbye to her on her way to heaven, and she's in God's arms, whatever purification she may or may not have still needed. Oh,
4: thank you. That, okay. that was... That's
1: beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Celia, God bless you. And there's our ending music, beloved. Um, We'll be with all of you tomorrow. God bless you.